fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a second, please. Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday, July 31st, 2018 edition of the Hagman Daily Show. Can't believe it's already the last day of July and August is uh, coming tomorrow. This summer just will not stay around uh, no matter how much we wanted to, but anyway, we uh, are great to be. We are happy to be here today. We got a lot to get into, and I want to start here, uh, John. We uh, didn't know what story or or what direction we wanted to go and start in, but how about this? This is something my dad mentioned yesterday. I think it's very important to talk about as we go through this culture of censorship, and we see the continued increase of oppression and censorship against conservative Christian speech. And the left continues to be able to say things like they want to assassinate the president, uh, his family, they want to burn down the White House, uh, they want to kill Republicans, they want to kill Trump supporters, but that's not banned. The only thing that's banned is the uh, truth of the matter, which is uh, the Trump derangement syndrome, the liberal insanity, whatever you want to call it, the mental illness it is, uh, is, uh, has swept part of the population of our nation and it has led to, uh, you know, over 538 acts of overt violence against Trump supporters. But on Twitter, Team Twitter hires an academic to monitor its health and combat hate speech. Twitter has hired academics from institutions, including Oxford University, to help combat intolerant discourse and monitor the health of the social network. The firm is working with psychology professor Miles Hughstone and John uh, Glacier, along with Dr. Mark Hedring, Hedrink from the University of Amsterdam to study the spread of hate speech. The move is part of Twitter's aim to create algorithms that better distinguish between hate speech and conversations that break the norms of uh, politeness, they say. Anyway, it goes on from there to talk about uh, and these different people and what they plan to do. But what Twitter has done is hired this uber-liberal, this Hillary fanatic, to be in charge or to combat hate speech. How's that going to work when we find out these politicians are shadow banned on Twitter already? When we see that most conservatives are uh, being suppressed on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube already how's that going to work when these people continue to hire other people who hate us who hate these people who support trump it is uh you know a continued problem that obviously is not going to get worse and alex jones uh, we talked about the youtube channel being shut down he is uh you know being sued again 
and uh, the word fake news and the alternative media is constantly under attack uh, by those on the left. We saw the New York Times guy meet with Trump over the weekend and say, Mr. Trump, please stop saying fake news. Please stop saying that we're the enemy of the people. Somebody's going to get hurt. Well, I would say, yeah, I'd say stop it, Trump, as long as the the news would do its job and stop lying and creating this atmosphere of violence and stop Joey, Joey, (laughs) and stop using (laughs) fake news. Once they stop with their fake news, then we'll stop calling them fake news. That's just how it's going to go. You got it. And I'll tell you another thing of how it's going to go, folks. I never call Joe Joey and I never will again. <laughs> no, Please, in all seriousness, you're very welcome. In all seriousness, uh, I hope you don't mind my saying this, Joe, but but some of the closer members uh, in Joe's family, they call him Joey. And it's, it's really very charming. Uh, Jackie calls him Joey once in a while. And and uh, and so do the parents, you know, um, and, and it, 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 I, I think it's kind of charming. But I would assume, did, did you, Joe, go by that as a little kid? Did I what? Did you go by Joey as a little kid? Yeah, people, when I was younger, um, people who have known me my whole life, uh, yeah, they'll call me Joey. Okay, now do, do some of your main brothers, like uh, like Julius and Terrell and stuff, do they do they pop off of Joey once in a while? Yeah, yeah. Do they? All right. Yeah. Now, the reason I ask, and we'll get back to the news in a second. The reason I ask is, when I was growing up, they called me Little John, because, of, because my dad is John Robertson Sr., so I was Little John. And he was Big John. <laughs> so, and 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 I don't. Nobody calls me Little John to this day. So, uh, anyhow, let's let's talk first about the about the hate speech thing, Joe, because this is always a fascinating topic, and I think it's one of those topics that we should be able to have reasonable discourse about without people flipping out. Now, I don't want to give the left too much credit, but I mean, this is I consider the hate speech topic a shade less incendiary than say abortion or the second amendment. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that really are behind this whole idea of hate speech. Now this is from lawyers.com and this will give us a little jump point, uh, Joe, uh, and uh, we can kind of uh, parse through this. This is from EA Gelton. I hope I got that right. It's a German last name. This is by EA Gelton, author and editor quote, There's no exception for hate speech under the First Amendment's protection for freedom of expression unless the speech is direct, personal, and either truly threatening or violently provocative. Uh, The First Amendment guarantees the right to freedom of expression. Many Americans, from college students to journalists to legal scholars, believe that guarantee shouldn't apply to hate speech. As they argue, hate speech tramples on the constitutional rights of its targets— by insulting, threatening, or silencing them based on characteristics that are protected under anti-discrimination laws, parenthetically, such as ethnicity, religion, gender, or disability. After all, the U.S. Supreme Court has carved out First Amendment exceptions for, and I have a problem with that right there, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has carved out certain kinds of particularly I'm sorry, uh, exceptions for certain kinds of particularly dangerous or harmful speech. But the court hasn't recognized an exception for hate speech unless it falls under one of the other kinds of unprotected expression. Uh, Let me give you one more quick piece of this. In 1942, the Supreme Court said that the First Amendment doesn't protect, quote, fighting words, unquote, or statements that, quote, 
by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. End quote. Uh, they give the um, case law, uh, uh, Chaplinsky v. New Hampshire, number 315, U.S. 568 from 1942. In later decisions, the court narrowed this exception by honing in on the second part of the definition, direct personal insults that are so offensive they're likely to provoke their specific target to respond immediately with violence. The court has also said that laws can't prohibit only some types of fighting words, like those based on racial bias, and then it gives some case law for that. But what about the first part of the Chaplinsky definition of fighting words, statements that are inherently harmful? Courts have generally found that the First Amendment protects speech if it causes only emotional injury, no matter how offensive it is. In one case, the father of a military veteran sued by or sued the Westboro Baptist Church for emotional distress after church members picketed his son's funeral with hateful anti-gay signs. The Supreme Court found that the First Amendment protected the picketing. The court focused on the fact that the signs like, quote, God hates fags, end quote, and, quote, thank God for dead soldiers, end quote, mainly addressed public issues. Once again, giving case uh, law Snyder v. Phelps, 562 U.S. 443 from the year 2011. Joe, let's stop there. What is your take on this? Well, um, I don't know, John. Well, that is an honest answer. That, that's an honest answer. Look, back when they had this, the idea, there used to be a term back around World War II. Hey, I got news for you, bud. Them's fighting words. You know, my grandpa Weaver used to say, I'll tell you what, you can call me any name in the book, but if you call me a liar, those are fighting words. That's what he used to say. Um, and I think that it was in 1942 in the Chaplinsky case that they first came up with what everybody refers to when this topic comes up, which is you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. Okay. Well, I guess what I what I should say is is the free speech laws uh, are very clear. The the uh, intent of the First Amendment is to allow people to say uh, both popular and unpopular speech as long as it is not a threat against somebody or putting somebody in danger through the words they say. And the there is a uh, okay. We we've seen these. Um, uh, like right now, we are, are the Hagman report. Uh, my father specifically are under uh, a lawsuit, and it's about uh, words and not about threats, but about words that can be. Uh, uh, it, see, this is my problem with the whole thing. People can read into a statement ten different ways and get ten different things out of it. Um, so whose fault is it if somebody? takes uh, some something someone says out of context and to the most extreme uh, interpretation, even twisting what they said, to the most extreme in interpretation, then acts on it. Uh, you know, does that... See, this is my problem with the, with the whole... There should be either no limits on speech or there should be limits on speech. Ex threatening excluded, okay? Okay, like, I, and I, I get what you're saying. Now, let's pick this apart a little bit. We won't spend too much time on this because I know this is kind of sticky and kind of thick, but it is worth a little bit of discourse, I think. So so in the case, Joe, let's take a look uh, at at, uh, at this piece of this article. Again, uh, our listeners can visit lawyers.com. Like Alex Jones right now. 
John. I'm sorry for just jumping in here and interrupting. No, it's okay, buddy. Go right he's ahead. He's facing five defamation lawsuits right now. Uh-huh. And one of the lawsuits is brought on by one of the, the uh, parents of a Sandy Hook uh, child who was allegedly killed in Sandy Hook. And this is it says, in the past, Noah Ponzer, one of 20 children killed in the 2012 shooting of Sandy Hook Elementary School, uh, was referred by Jones as Lenny Ponzer's supposed son or a child who reportedly died. And what they had done uh, is they have compelled Alex Jones to admit in a legal pleading that the plaintiff's son truly died. And that was an important step towards the safety and justice for the family. In one of these five defamation lawsuits against Jones, now working their way through the courts, three uh, were brought in Jones' uh, home turf. But anyway, it goes on to say that uh, uh, Jones argues that, and this is what's so important about this, he argues that in the, uh, the purpose of these lawsuits uh, is to create new Texas law that opens Texans citizens to civil liability should they openly question the government and or craft any type of conspiracy theory or differing view to that which is reported by the mainstream media and and i don't mean to just focus on this case as far as speech speech is concerned but these people who have brought lawsuits against jones and other people like jim hoft about sandy hook or charlottesville this these are all speech issues and regardless, uh, if you like it or not, the First Amendment was put there to protect unpopular speech. So, oh, I see all indeed this it was nothing. There yeah. should be. I mean, what we see in Europe is is just ridiculous as far as it's the hate terrible. speech laws. And if we do not stand up for the First Amendment here, we are going to lose our own free speech laws. And Antifa, the anti-fascist who are the biggest fascists in the world, are the pre people trying to ban free speech, as well as other uh, uh, progressive, socialist, demonic entities Absolutely. in our citizenry and government. It's always this boy, I'll tell you what. Boy, I'm going to tell you what. It's Joe, it's always, I, and I learned this personally. Man, I'm telling you folks, back in San Francisco in the mid-90s, I was such a hipster. Like, I thought that that I was such an independent uh, renegade, rebel spirit, art, artistic, creative juggernaut, you know, uh, way into fashion, way into going to see bands and all this stuff. And when I look back on that, I realized that I was nothing but a little, little bee flying right along with the hive because we had to have the right kind of shoes and listen to the right David Bowie records and go to the right clubs and smoke the right brand of cigarette. And nobody ever hands you a rule sheet but boy, you better be in line or all of a sudden you're going to find yourself hanging out by yourself. But before, so, so my point is the libs always, always say one thing and they, they promote, whether it's by violence or whether it's by vexatious and ill-founded litigation in the courts. They always say one thing and they promote the exact opposite. Joe, before we walk away from this, I want to get your opinion on this. This has always bothered me. It's always been, I used the term once before, a bag of bees down the backside of my trousers. Um, and that's the Westboro Baptist Church, okay? So let me, let me give this to listeners again real quick. Um, so it says, courts have generally found that the First Amendment protects speech if it causes only emotional injury, no matter how offensive it is. In one case, now follow closely, listeners. In one case, the father of a military veteran sued the Westboro Baptist Church for emotional distress after church members picketed his son's funeral 
with hateful anti-gay signs. The Supreme Court found that the First Amendment protected the picketing. The court focused on the fact that signs like, quote, God hates fags and, quote, thank God for dead soldiers, end quote, mainly addressed public issues. Now, Joe, uh, am I going too far to, uh, and this will be my last comment on this and we can go wherever you want, but am I going too far to say that that showing up with signs that say God loves, what is it, God, thank God for dead soldiers at a military veteran killed in action's funeral, is that any less dangerous than shouting fire in a crowded theater? And if so, then does then then what do we do with this? Because this is, I mean, well, this look, is disgusting. John, Go ahead. Obviously, the people who carried out these protests at the Westboro Baptist Church are despicable. Um, no sane, normal human being uh, would think like that. Uh, to say God hates fags and to say de- uh, God bless. What, what was the last one about the dead soldiers? That, that's the one that really bugged me. Thank God for dead soldiers. Okay. Obviously, no sane person feels that way. and But their speech is protected. Now, I remember those cases very well. They did not, it's not like they were, you know, at the actual funeral protesting. They were given a protest designation, which was, you know, in proximity of the funeral, but was far enough away to where it would not interrupt uh, the service. So, um, it, as terrible as those words are, uh, and the people who uh, would would say things like that are, uh, their speech is protected. You know, Joe, I think that you are being principled, and I think that you are as difficult as this, as tough as this one is to swallow. It feels like I'm trying to swallow a ping pong ball rolled in chalk, but. I think that you are being uh, principled and I think that you're being consistent in the ideology that we have promoted. Uh, well, look as, what Hollywood as, says as, about, yeah. about how let's, they, let's, how let's, they let's put Jesus that. down and the things they say about Jesus, like what Sarah Silverman said. That speech is protected. So God bless a dead soldier uh, or, or whatever the saying was. Uh, or not God bless or thank God for a dead soldier, as the Westboro Baptist Church said. Uh, that ha- if, if what Sarah Silverman says about killing Jesus again is protected, then that has to be protected. Well, I believe you're right. And, 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 you, and see, this is the way this is supposed to work, listeners. Uh, you hear me talk about this a lot. But, but one of the things we're losing in this country, in fact, I think we've lost it, Joe. And it's sad. It's, it's like losing baseball or losing the 57 Chevy or losing – you know, I don't know, rock and roll or whatever. But one of the things that we've lost is we no longer have a vociferous and vibrant and uh, a debate in the open market of ideas. See, see, the idea, Joe, is we don't want one ideology or another to run amok. So, so for example, I'm a hardcore conservative, but I tend to be a conservative with libertarian values. What do I mean by that? I mean... I don't think the government has any business telling you what you can and cannot put in your body, for example. I believe that that should be between a man and God and a man and his doctor. I think the government should get the hell out of that, okay? That's the libertarian in me. Uh, The conservative in me believes, for example, that life begins at conception and that we need to absolutely stop butchering babies. So 
That being said, there are parts of the neocon ultra conservative agenda, and, and this drives me nuts when people say, for example, uh, uh, "Oh, I never get, I never give money to the homeless. They just, they're just going to go spend it on alcohol. I, I, I never, I, I, I just, you know, that get it. Hey, hey, you get a job. Well, guess what, Mister Neocon? That is not a Christian attitude. And I'll tell you what, Joe. Um, on more than one occasion, I have prayed with. Uh, one time I can think of a junkie in San Francisco who was super dope sick and, uh, in the mission district. And another time with a guy, uh, named Oso, which means bear in Spanish, who had just gotten out of prison. Uh, and while he was in prison, his little 11 year old cousin was run over and killed by a car. And that man, I prayed with him for 45 minutes outside a liquor store and he'd been drinking. Um, but, uh, but, but we really prayed together and I, and I've often reflected on that, um, what what those optics would look like because uh, uh, that guy actually got down on his knees and it was really powerful but here's my point as a christian man and I, and 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 feel free to hit us via email because i've got a feeling i'm gonna i'm gonna tweak the nose of a lot of our listeners right now but this Enjoy. is just how i feel uh, go when, ahead when you're done with that i want to uh finish with this alex jones article because okay. of, i yeah, want to show the the opposing view of this and how dangerous this is but yeah go ahead Absolutely. I'm almost done with the story. But 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 I think this will this will inspire further conversation, Joe. But I think it'll also get our listeners thinking. Um, I was approached uh, at a friend's bachelor party uh, and we'd been out on the town. Uh, I wasn't inebriated, but I'd been drinking. This is about 15 years ago uh, outside a nightclub in the Mission District in San Francisco. And this enormous African-American man, I mean, six, five, six, six. This guy could have totally been NFL all the way. He comes up to me and he is so dope sick, Joe that he's literally sweating foam, okay? He's got the shakes, he's, he's in bad shape, okay? And he comes up to me and, and, his, and he's trying to beg for 20 bucks because he needs to go get a fix. And, and but the street that I was on is real big for street sale of black tar heroin. Okay, so this man walks up to me and I, and I, just, I just took over. I said, I said, brother, how you doing, man? I said, you look pretty dope sick, are you okay? And he's like, no, man. He said, I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm hurting really bad. And I'm not even going to lie to you, man. I'm not asking for money for food. I'm not asking for, for a sandwich. I'm, I'm asking, I need help. I got to get well. And dude, I reached in my pocket. I gave the man 20 bucks. I put it in his hand and I said, sir, I said, look me right in the eyes. I said, I'm asking you one favor. Take this money. Go get your fix. Okay. But when that junk hits your vein and you got your head back together, just do me one favor. Just pray, okay? Will you do that once your head is straight, once you get quote-unquote well? Will you just lift this problem up to Jesus? Will you do that for me, brother? And this huge black man, Joe, started crying. He embraced me. He smelled so bad that I almost couldn't breathe. I mean, it, there was almost like a, like a gag reflex because, uh, you know, junkies tend not to bathe very often. It keeps the heroin in their systems better. So my point is, as a Christian man, I knew, I knew perfectly well. I was buying this guy a bag of dope. But he was so sick, Joe, that where he needed to be was the ER yeah. uh, getting help. So, so when people are in that state, you can't sit them down and give them a burger from McDonald's and start talking about the gospel and, and Jesus and getting baptized and all that. All they can think about when they're that sick is not being that sick. So uh, you can DM me on Twitter, at RobertsonJohn. Uh, give me your opinion. Was I right? Was I wrong? Uh, uh, was I sinning or was I, uh, in fact, 
by the benevolence of giving the man what he needed to get his head back together. And I got to emphasize, this guy was really sick. Um, but I, I looked right at him. I said, please, sir, when you get your fix, will you please pray to Jesus? And when I said that, I kid you not, Joe, he, he just started to cry like a baby. This man had at some point in his, night, in his life known the Lord. My DM is open on Twitter, at Robertson John. Listeners, hit me up. Tell me what you think of the story. And, uh, Joe, I'll, I'll bring it up again later in the week if I get any responses. Back to you, buddy. Well, no, that's, a, that's an awesome story, uh, that definitely. And uh, uh, a hope and an example on how uh, some people, uh, when dealing with people like that, and it's a good way uh, to, to use uh, as an example uh, if you come across something like that. So, no, that's a, that was a, definitely a, a great addition to the story. But back to the uh, My Statesman dot com article on jones and his lawsuit the yeah let me get over to this it's my statesman.com joe yeah my statesman.com i think i got it off of drudge uh, uh it's one of the articles on the left hand column it says uh the spine of bankston's case is provided by an exhaustive analyst of jones brand of journalism by fred zip the former editor of the american statesman since 2012 has been teaching at the University of Texas, where he supervises digital media uh, initiative known as Reporting Texas. And this is what he says about InfoWars. I was aware of InfoWars' extremely poor reputation in the media industry with respect to the reliability of the information it publishes. And I also know that Mr. Jones had alleged the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting was a government hoax involving actors, Zip writes on his 26-page affidavit, which accompanied by 172 pages of transcripts from Jones' broadcast. While the site purports to be a news and information operation, it is actually a propaganda site for Mr. Jones' theories about a global conspiracy to control and enslave the world's population. In Jones' view, communists are active participants in the conspiracy and depriving citizens of access to firearms and tactics used in enslaving the population. And it goes on from there. Jones' rise to notoriety coincided with his assertions that the 9-11 terrorist attack were orchestrated by the U.S. government. A major element of Jones brand is built on allegations that major national tragedies are actually the result of orchestrated government actions. And it goes on to say he shows a pattern of predictability, asserting events are false flags with reckless disregard, whether his broadcast was true uh, or not in this case. Now to that, I just got to say this. <laughs> How many events in history have been told to us as they actually happened? Pretty much none. We can all agree on that. From the Kennedy assassination to the Gulf of Tonkin to 9-11 to all these things. Provably. I mean, you ask a question. What about Building 7? You're labeled a nutcase. So what's so wrong with asking questions? And, and by history's own examples of things being a false flag. What about Operation Northwoods where they wanted to... Uh, you know, create a false flag against Cuba uh, on Miami, on, on their own U.S. city. They were going to, you know, kill people in, in America and blame it on Cuba with American planes. And these are, and look, Joe. They act I'm, like this is not a reality. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because here's the deal. Uh, when Alex Jones went bombastic on uh, Pierce uh, Morgan about four years ago, okay, I, as a as a media guy, Okay, I was working in Hollywood at the time. 
Um, but, but having been around media most of my life, I was looking at a disaster unfolding as far as, as far as a PR, uh, what I just looked at this and I was like, this is just going to backfire on, on Alex Jones and Infowars and, and by proxy on the Patriot community writ large to a degree. But there was one thing he said that made a killer soundbite. They played it on Infowars forever. And he said, Mao took the guns, Hitler took the guns, Stalin took the guns. Chavez took the guns. Pol Pot took the guns. Okay, there, there is a reason that every Castro took the guns, that every communist dictator disarms their populace first thing out of the gate. Listen, listeners, this is not conspiracy theory. This is history. But the way that people get away with this affidavit, Joe, that you were just reading from is because they are they are expecting and relying on a sad truth, which is that the average American knows very little and the very little that they do know about history is mostly inaccurate. It's mostly written by globalist deep state characters. And as, as it has been often quoted and famously said, and I believe it belongs to Winston Churchill originally, it is that the victors write history. Okay, so that being said, even even the two words conspiracy and theory listeners that comes from a think tank paid by the CIA when in 1956 in Hungary which was behind the iron curtain they attempted in Budapest they attempted excuse me to overthrow the soviet backed puppet government of Hungary it was like a tiananmen square but 30 years earlier, okay, it was 1956 during Eisenhower. And we promised to support these protesters and we didn't. And hundreds got slaughtered in Budapest. And in fact, I used to live right across the street in LA from a monument to that horrible case of democide where the Hungarian government killed, I think it might even be thousands of their own people because the U.S. made a promise that it did not keep. Same as the Bay of Pigs, but a little bit different. So here's my point. They needed to immediately come up with something. They needed something, anything. It was, it was, it was one of those pick up the bat phone and call Edward Bernays, the father of modern advertising, the, the original huckster. You know, Let's see if we can uh, put in a collect call to, to hell and get Goebbels on the phone. It was one of those kind of moments. And so they took the word conspiracy and they took the word theory and they married the two so that they could push back via mainstream news media propaganda back then. And they could deflect and dodge the fact that the American intel community and the Eisenhower administration had promised the Hungarians help that they didn't receive. And blood ran thick and it ran deep in the gutters of Budapest for several days. That's where the, the term conspiracy theory comes from. Go look it up. I'm not making this stuff up, but that's the problem, Joe. The, the two biggest problems in our country, and I'll hand it back to you. The two biggest problems in our country, Joe, is that nobody knows the word of God and nobody knows our legitimate history. The, the, those are without, think about this. Without those two things, without the, the word of God, which I'm really playing catch up like double time right now to, to have a firmer grasp on, 
okay? But without those two things, without the Bible and without a, a, a reasonable understanding, I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to read 30 books a month, but man, you need a reasonable understanding. And now with YouTube, there is so much out there. There, there are tens of thousands of historical documentaries written from every point of view. Okay, people, people use, they love to use 9-11 or Sandy Hook as examples. Let me give you two quick pushbacks and Joe, I'll give it back to you. 9-11, I will ask just one simple question, and we don't have to get off on a 9-11 uh, uh, topic here, but one simple question. How did Building 7 fall down? Do listeners realize, Joe, that were it not for Towers 1 and 2, the biggies that came down, that the collapse of World Trade Center 7 would be the largest collapse of a skyscraper in the history of the world, and yet it is an underreported, uh, uh, unreported sort of side story to 9-11, where had Towers 1 and 2 not crumbled to dust, the collapse of Tower 7 would be the biggest skyscraper disaster in the history of architecture and modern building. That's your 9-11 that's your fact. Here's your Sandy Hook fact. Noah Posner, very difficult story to discern, very difficult story to understand. But Joe, what do you do with all the pictures that were all over so, uh, social media and all over the internet four years ago with the very same picture of Noah Posner from Sandy Hook being displayed all over Karachi, Pakistan, where a massive terrorist bombing had just occurred that killed like 100 people? Now, you could say, well, that could have been photoshopped, but there were many pictures of it from multiple angles taken by multiple photographers. So I don't know what happened with Noah Posner, but what I do know is that if he died in Sandy Hook in, uh, in December of 2012, he certainly couldn't have died again in late 2013 in Karachi, Pakistan. Joe, back to you. That, that's right, John. And it's uh, uh, things like that that make you leave you scratching your head and, and wondering, you know, what's really going on. And, uh, you know, I, I hope Jones wins these cases, obviously, because, uh, you know, to not win these cases, it's a, it, it puts all of us on the uh, uh, chopping block in case any, uh, you know, anything does arise that doesn't appear to be as it seems. And you call it out for such while having the, the right and the reasons to ask those questions uh, that have never been answered, but you get ridiculed for doing so. Um, will this sway people from doing that kind of uh, journalism in the future? Because we've seen what we call journalists, these mainstream hyenas who are on TV. These are not journalists. These people are paid screen script writers. That's all they are. And maybe they have their personal biases and leanings towards uh, you know, the, the evil of this world, but that's all these people are. They have not told the American people the truth about anything important ever. They won't even tell you the Federal Reserve is privately owned. They won't even tell I mean they won't tell you the most basic truths, let alone the the, the obvious solutions uh, first and foremost, which is what our country was built on, which is uh, our our scriptures and the faith in Jesus. And that is what made us successful, as well as the type of government that was established, which they have been trying to muddy and change since the beginning. So you cannot rely on the world uh, to to give you an accurate picture of what's going on. You need that 
that discernment for yourself. You need to know, uh, have that foundation in faith and have the discernment to figure out what's going on in the world by yourself. Just like you don't need a priest as a mediator between you and God. You just need you and your prayer and his word and, and to walk that spiritual journey. You don't need a priest to talk to, uh, to mediate between you and God. That's anti-biblical. And what we see here is we can no longer trust the mainstream media. The majority of the American public understand, yes, the media is the enemy of the people. Well, how are they the enemy of the people? They're the enemy of the people because they continue to reinforce lies, promote perversions and evil, and continue to uh, uh, undermine the republic of the united states and its laws and turn it into you know a, a venezuela if you will they want they're part of the new world order agenda the you know un's 2020 or 2030 agenda uh, all these other agenda you know bilderberg trilateral commission they're all working towards the same goal a one world technocratic government religious and political and economic system and that's the bottom line. So unless you detract yourself from those uh, mainstream sources, even much of the internet news we see, uh, you know, it has a bias one way or the other. But if you're going to be on, if you're going to be biased, at least be biased for this for for goodness' sake, not for the sake of evil. And that's what I don't get: is how many people are biased towards that evil. Sorry, I had I had the I, I apologize. I had the cursor. It just bounced a little bit off the mute. Joe, I completely agree with your commentary and 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 the 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 confusion therein. Uh, you mentioned the Federal Reserve. Let's take a quick look at a piece I pulled. Uh, didn't curate a lot for today because I knew we were going to do just sort of a, a free form uh, show. And by the way, I like it when we do these type shows. And 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 please, listeners. Email us. We love. I know I'm being kind of a broken record about the emailing thing the last few days, but Joe and I love hearing from you guys. It's not a burden to us. We don't. It's not like oh well, we got to read the emails from the Daily Show people. We love it. Like we pass them back and forth to each other. Joe will be sitting at his desk in the studio. We kind of sit in a big bullpen area, and he'll he'll call across the room. John, did you read that 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 email from Ken so and so? Oh no, Joe, I don't think I have it. Oh, dude, I'll forward it over to you right now. You got to read this. So we really do love hearing from you folks. And as I've stated uh, multiple times in the recent past, we're not so, we're, we're not so big time, uh, that we, uh, that we are overwhelmed by the number of emails. So this is a great opportunity. If you want to communicate with Joe and I, Joe, you can attest to this. We've sent back numerous handwritten cards. Uh, we've, we've, we've sent people Hagman report t-shirts and stickers and all kinds of goodies. Um, not to mention that we communicate with you one-on-one. -on -one. So unlike the HagmanReport.com email that receives, in some cases, thousands of emails a day. When you send something to Joe and I, it's going to be read, and more likely than not, you're going to hear back from us. Heck, include your phone number in the email, and more likely than not, you're going to get a call from one of us. But uh, let's take a quick look at this. So uh, This is uh, by the Ron Paul Institute, written by uh, Mr. Ron Paul, a man I know you and I both have immense respect for, Joe. Uh, and uh, again, ronpaulinstitute.org, posted today. Trump's tweets end the myth of Fed independence. President Trump's recent tweets expressing displeasure with the Federal Reserve's minor interest rate increase led to accusations that President Trump is undermining the Federal Reserve's independence. But the critics ignore the fact that the Federal Reserve, quote, independence, end quote, is one of the great myths of American politics. And that is so true. When it comes to intimidating, 
the Federal Reserve, President Trump pales in comparison to Lyndon Johnson. Uh, I will add personally, in my opinion, the second worst president of the United States, right behind old Barry. You can throw Jimmy Carter in as number three. But anyway, uh, uh, when it comes to intimidating the Federal Reserve, President Trump pales in comparison to President Lyndon Johnson. After the Federal Reserve increased interest rates in 1965, President Johnson summoned then-Fed Chairman William McChesney Martin to Johnson's Texas ranch, where Johnson shoved him against the wall, physically assaulting the Fed. Okay, maybe I take that back about Johnson. Physically assaulting the Fed chairman is probably a greater threat to Federal Reserve independence than questioning the Fed's policies on Twitter. While, last paragraph. While Johnson is an extreme example, history is full of cases where presidents pressured the Federal Reserve to adopt policies compatible with the president's agendas and helpful to their reelection campaigns. Uh, presidents have been pressuring the Fed since its creation. President Warren Harding called on the Fed to lower rates. Richard Nixon was caught on tape joking with then-Fed Chair Arthur Burns about Fed independence. And Lloyd Benston, President Bill Clinton's first Treasury Secretary, bragged about a gentleman's agreement with then-Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan. Joe, I'm going to hand it back to you, but I want to make this comment first. Listeners, if there is one thing that you that will change your life, I mean, aside, aside from, from accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, that's number one. But, but in the here and now, if there's one thing that will change your life, it will change your perspective on how you disseminate and discern everything from your personal finances to the prices at Walmart, to the balancing of your checkbook, to reading through the news feeds every day. It is understanding the concept of central banking as represented by the Federal Reserve and understanding that the Federal Reserve is the greatest bank robbery in the history of humanity. And I would encourage every listener who has not done so, pick up a copy the of the preachers of the Bible. They're they're the money changers. Amen. Uh, I got one more sentence and it's back to you, Joe. Listeners, if you haven't done so, pick up a copy of The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. It is, in my opinion, the best start point for understanding the Federal Reserve. Now, it's a thick book, but what's cool about the way Mr. Griffin wrote it is it's a page turner. I mean, he goes through history. He talks about, he talks about how central banking played into the sinking of the Titanic. He talks about how it played into World War One and how it played into America getting into World War One. He talks about how it uh, affected the sinking of the Lusitania. He talks about how the Federal Reserve uh, uh, was tied into NASA and, and the Apollo projects. I mean, this is not a boring book about facts and figures and derivatives and things that we don't understand. This is practically a thriller. Uh, and I know you've read it too, Joe, but I burned through that book. I couldn't put it down. And, and warning, fair warning, listeners, once you read The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin, that's Griffin, you will view everything with fresh eyes. It's almost like a, a secular version, a financial version of the scales falling off your eyes. Joe? Yeah, and you mentioned the Federal Reserve. They're, they've been in the news over the last few days. In relation to President Trump and what we're seeing is very interesting because President Trump 
is escalating his war on the Federal Reserve. And uh, what we see here is that he's talking about the transparency and accountability of the Federal Reserve and the Fed's policies, and he wants to open the books up. But guess what? To their to, to nobody's surprise, uh, the Federal Reserve says no. You know this is crazy. We, we're not accountable to anybody. We're not going to start with you, Trump. CNBC reported a Fed, a federal government, or a Federal Reserve survey found 83% say Trump's comments on Fed policy are uh, what was the word unfair um, or inappropriate. And what he has been calling for is not so much an audit of the Fed. But what he's been calling for is the uh, to open up the Fed's books a little bit more. It says, for nearly half a century, presidents have refrained from criticizing the independent Federal Reserve. The rationale for central bank... Oh, I got a stupid pop-up. Hold on. The rationale for central bank independence dates back to about the 1970s of stagflation. Uh, the president criticized the Fed policy for undermining his attempts to build the economy. The best way to make the central bank serve the needs of the economy is to make it a public utility. For nearly half a century, these presidents refrained from criticizing the independent Federal Reserve, but that was before Donald Trump. In a response to a question about Fed interest rate policy in a CNBC interview on July 19th, he shocked commenters by saying, I'm not thrilled because we go up and every time you go up, they want to raise rates again. I am not happy about it. I don't like it at all. All of this work that we're putting into the economy and then I see the rates going up. He acknowledged the central bank's independence, but the point was made. The Fed was hurting the economy with its uh, quantitative, quantitative tightening policies and needed to watch its step. In a commentary on CNBC, Richard Bove contended that the president was positioning himself to take control of the Federal Reserve. Bove said Trump will do it both because he can and because his broader policies argue uh, he should do so. By raising interest rates and stopping the growth in the money supply, the Fed stands in the way of further growth in the American economy. Now, the question is... Will Trump take on the Fed? Will he turn it into a public utility? Will he give it back to the people and away from these corporate mongers? This is stuff wars are fought over. This is stuff presidents are assassinated over. If you remember, I forget the name or the number of the uh, executive order, but I think uh, it was John F. Kennedy who drafted the executive order to abolish the Federal Reserve soon after he was executed. And he's not the only one. That executive uh, order is Executive Order 110000. It's one of the few executive orders that I know by heart, Joe. But oh, go okay. ahead. But no, so uh, I know the answer uh, to the question I'm going to ask to all of our listeners. Should Trump make the Federal Reserve uh, a public utility, not independent? Absolutely they should. And that would wipe out our national debt, I believe, if they did that. But uh, obviously, wow. he's going to be putting his life in danger and better understand that much and those risks that are involved if he decides he's going to do that. Man, Joe, how did this show go so quickly? I'm having a great time speaking with you today, and I'm bummed that we're that we're getting close to the we end got, of the show. We got like um, 12 minutes. Yeah, we we well, let me tell you what uh, Dr. Ted Brower and I, um, and you can check out the Ted and Austin Brower show. Simply go to healthmasters.com. But Ted and Austin Brower, they do a show together, Father Son, like Doug, like Doug and Joe Hadman, and it's a it's a worthwhile show. I've been on it, Joe. I know you have too. 
Um, but the, uh, Ted Brower and I talked about this about a year ago. It was an offline conversation, but I don't think he'd mind my sharing a little bit of it. I said, Dr. Ted, look, you are a very successful entrepreneur. You're a successful businessman. And you know as well as I do that the biggest elephant in the room for President Trump at that time, brand new President Trump, um, is the Federal Reserve. President Trump has been throwing up brick, glass, granite, and steel in cities all over the world for like five decades, okay? I have read articles that say that President Trump in his hotels micromanages down to the point of are the light bulbs the most efficient and are the towels uh, the fluffiest and best that can be purchased while still making a profit. So, so President Trump is known I don't think he's known so much as a as a as a as a uh, a penuriary type penny pincher type, but I believe that he uh, recognizes the value of a deal and and he really understands the concept of overhead and cost analysis versus uh, you know cost benefit analysis essentially. So he knows fully well, Joe, that before we can make America great again, we have got to cease immediately. Stop game over, done, cut the limb, cauterize it, make it happen. The Fed has got to go in this respect. It's this simple, listeners, and Joe, I'll give it back to you because I could go on forever about the Fed. The Federal Reserve loans the United States Treasury the U.S. dollars that we all use. And the way that they do it is very simple. The U.S. Treasury sends over to the Fed 30-year T-bills with X points of interest connected to the 30-year T-bill. So effectively, the U.S. Treasury sends a note of debt to the Fed. The Fed then adds that to their balance sheet as an asset, even though it is no more an asset than if I wrote Joe a, a, a piece of little note on a legal pad that said, Hi, Joe Hagman, love you, love you bunches, buddy. Uh, I promise you 30 grand in 10 years. That's how worthless the 30-year treasuries that the, that the Treasury Department sends to the Fed are. And when the Fed receives those, they then send back over to the Treasury the U.S. dollars commensurate to the value of the bills that were sent. So it's, it's that simple. That's how the robbery works. The Treasury sends promissory notes that come due right about the time your grandchildren are trying to buy a home and start a family. And in return, the central bank that, that, does, that arrogantly refuses to answer reasonable questions, whether it's from President Trump or whether it's from, at that time, Congressman Ron Paul and the arrogant SOB Ben Helicopter Bernanke. Yeah. Yeah. So last, last thing, and it's back to you, Joe. So here's the deal. Under, uh, 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 let's see, it's Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, the United States Treasury retains the sole authority to print and coin money in the United States of America. And it even states that, that, that the coin of the realm, so to speak, will be gold and silver. And up until 1971, we were on a bimetallic standard. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. But here is the bottom line, listeners. You're being robbed, okay? This is not high-tech financial Stephen Minking mumbo-jumbo. You're being robbed through inflation, and through the fact that you've been lied to your entire life. If you've got 300 bucks in your wallet, you got 15, $20 bills, woo-hoo! Guess what you're carrying? 
you're carrying 300 pieces of debt script and that's all it is joe back to you yeah that's right and uh i'm looking for uh the audio clip of ben bernanke uh telling them no telling ron paul uh he says tell us who the private uh you know what uh, arrogance holders. in that man yeah he says no i'm not gonna tell uh, but it just shows the level of arrogance on the Fed. We, we don't have to play the clip. But the uh, you know re- really interesting thing apart th- about this is all these news organizations are claiming that this is way out of line for Trump to do this. That he has no right to uh, you know question the Fed, question the Fed's authority. Uh, que- you know he needs to leave it alone, and that's the consensus among the mainstream media. And it's because the, and the uh, talking heads. It's because they're all in on it. They know, they know that the uh, the the Federal Reserve is is uh, part of this globalist system and part of you know a, a huge part of you know what these people uh, who their allegiance is to. And it's just really unfortunate that we see uh, this continuing to go, you know, without any uh, consequences whatsoever, that they're allowed to continue to do this, that they're allowed to continue to, uh, you know, basically commit usury against the American government. And it's supposed to be the American government who is in control of the money. The only powers in the Constitution enumerated for the printing of money come from the Congress. And it has they have been given away uh, back in 1913 to the Federal Reserve, and as I said before, this is stuff presidents have been assassinated over. This is stuff wars have been fought over. So this is not something to take lightly as we uh, continue to move forward and uh, look at the legacy President Trump's going to leave, and will that be, uh, will part of that be his uh, taking on the Federal Reserve? Will he do that? And if he does do that, what oh. harm uh, will that bring him or, or his presidency oh, or those could- around him? It could it it could get and I and I pray in Jesus' name right here and now I claim authority over this, but it could get President Donald Trump killed the same way it got President John Fitzgerald Kennedy killed. Look, I forgot to mention this when I was making the comment earlier about light bulbs and 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 towels in his hotels. President Trump is a businessman, and he knows that we as the American taxpayers cannot afford. You ready for this, listeners? Are you sitting down? Take a drink. Of water, <laughs> but we are paying a private consortium of bankers, by the way, all of whom live in Europe, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds, the Windsors, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Dutch royalty, uh, Queen Beatrix, etc. We are paying a private consortium of bankers who own the Federal Reserve. Are you ready for this? Three quarters of a trillion dollars per year in interest to borrow our own money. You know how much it costs to print a billion dollars? It costs 1500 bucks in paper and ink to print $1 billion bills. At least that's what it cost back in 2012, 2013 when I was doing the research. It might be a little more now. So it costs 1500 bucks to print a billion dollars. But you see, they don't even print it because they just create it digitally. But here's the point. Every year, Joe, we come up when it's uh, when it's budget time, we come up upside down a trillion dollars, give or take. Yeah, plus or minus. People complain and carp all the time about the military's budget, which is roughly uh, uh, roughly about seven hundred billion per year. But guess what? 
That's for the entire military. That's for every Navy ship, every Air Force para-jumper, every Navy SEAL crawling around out in some creepy, weird place. We pay as much or more to a private group of bankers simply on interest to borrow our own money that the U.S. Treasury could create at the tune of 1500 bucks for every billion. And yet for every billion, instead, we pay the Fed like three, four, five percent. And when I started listening to the Hagman Report in 2012, it was 500 billion a year in interest that we paid the Fed. And in just the amount of time the Hagman Report has been on, listeners, that has gone from 500 billion to 740 billion dollars a year. Down the toilet, out the window, it is paid to private bankers for nothing. Nothing. Joe? Very well said, John, and you're absolutely right, for nothing, and it is such a shame, it is such a ripoff, we are being, uh, uh, you know, robbed at every turn from the taxes we pay, property taxes, to, uh, you know, the the interest on the debt, and it's really, uh, it's really unfortunate, and yet it continues, and, uh, you know, again, the correlations between the fall of the United, United States and the fall of the Roman Empire are, uh, and when they are written in the history books, are going to be very similar as far as the welfare state, as far as the uh, uh, the money aspect of it, on and on and on and on. It is going to be something that is looked on uh, just about the same. I mean, we it, it, there's a whole process that comes with it, and we've talked about it many times. And we uh, uh, we can even do a show. I have a few books, uh, you know, the fall of the Roman Empire, uh, uh, the decline of the Roman Empire. I have all these books about this, and we should do a show one day, uh, noting some of the most striking similarities between these two world empires, two thousand years apart, which had led them uh, led to their destruction. Um, I want to make sure we get this in before we end the show. Our sponsor, SimplyCleanFoods.net is the website. SimplyCleanFoods.net. Go there for all your storable food needs. You can use SimplyClean as the promo code and get your discount for being Hagman Daily Show listeners. They have not only the greatest uh, GMO-free foods uh, that are available for purchase, but they also have a number of supplies, water filtration systems, and they... Uh, supporting them supports us as well as uh, supporting uh, other projects which Chance, the owner of Simply Clean Foods, uh, does, whether it's the Bible Drive or uh, Adopt a Vet. Uh, he does a lot uh, for a lot of people, and we want to continue to, to support that. There's also a PayPal link in the blog talk description if you are so inclined. Tomorrow, we have Stephen Menking, who's going to be joining us uh, for the show. And then this Friday, we have Pastor David Langford. Correct yes, John? yes, we have Pastor David Langford coming in. Uh, Revelation 12, Revelation 13 revealed. I've got the book, in fact, right in front of me. Uh, and we've also got Pastor Mike Spaulding, who's going to come back and do part two. But he'll do that after uh, uh, Pastor Langford's piece with us this Friday. Also, lastly, Gans Shamira. Face Like the Sun on YouTube, facelikethesun.com. I have invited him to rejoin us, Joe, this Thursday if Gons is available. Awesome. That'll do it for us today. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to hagmanreport.com. That's hagmanreport.com.